Welcome to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. In this podcast, financial planner Peter Raskin helps families and business owners understand and prepare for their wealth journey. Along the way, thoughtful and detailed planning can provide clarity and confidence as clients confront a multitude of financial decisions. Listen in as Peter shares stories and insight into people's wealth journeys. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Hello, and welcome to Wealth is in the Details with Peter Raskin from Raskin Planning Group. Peter, how are you? I'm great, Eric. How about yourself? I am doing fantastic. I, I, I know that today's conversation, we're actually going to be revisiting a topic that we talked about almost two years ago, if you can believe it. I mean, it was, it was quite a while ago. I, I believe it was episode 28, and it was about trusts. Yeah. And back then, you and your guest focused on certainty and love, which, which, which was a great theme in there. Uh, but you have a different guest on today uh, to talk about trust. And I'm assuming that today's guest maybe has a different perspective about trusts. Yeah, I, I, Eric, I, th- I think he might. Um, so I'm, I'm real excited and, and real happy that uh, Christopher Holtby, of, who's a co-founder of Wealth Advisors Trust Company, is with us. And his firm is, is actually headquartered in, in South Dakota. Christopher is the trust, uh, the trust educator. And as I mentioned, he's the co-founder. And welcome, Christopher. Real, real happy you're with us today. You bet. So, Christopher, when we chatted last, uh, you said something that I thought was real interesting. And you said that Wealth Advisors Trust Company is focused on distributions to trust beneficiaries, which which makes sense. Uh, But you're especially focused on not creating trust fund babies. And I think that's really an interesting perspective. And I'd like to talk about that today, amongst other things as well. But before we dive into this topic, let's tell us more about your journey to Wealth Advisors Trust Company and where you are now. So I guess the journey, like most great American ideas, was born out of frustration. And this is a 700-year-old industry. And we... We're dealing with corporate trustees. We're all ex-Ernst and Young guys. And we just found they had this pedestrian, slothful approach to client service, maybe because it's an oligopoly. And we said, you know what? We can do better. And so um, starting something to disrupt an industry, it's actually kind of fun. And it makes hiring people funner. And then it makes winning even more fun. So really, everything we do is about control and choice uh, for clients. And that's sort of how we think and how we challenge our own internal status quo and, and the industry. Yeah, that's interesting. So, so let, let's before we talk about kind of the topic at hand, I, I do want to um, just give listeners a background so we can all come at it from the same perspective. So let's just get real basic. First, you know, what is a trust? A trust is a legal thing. And this legal thing um, is represented by a legal document. And it can have its own tax ID number, or it can have a tax ID number of an individual, a social security number. And this legal entity thing has rules about what can be done what cannot be done, when does it terminate, who does it give money to, why, 
how, when, but what it is best at, a trust, is taking a family's ideas and philosophies on money and their family and putting it into words so someone, a trustee, can follow their intent. That's a trust. And so why do families establish these trusts? So good and bad news. Sometimes it's because they don't have confidence that their heirs will use the money wisely. Other times it is to save estate taxes, you know, for clients who are married, uh, who have net worths over 22 million, you know, they want to move some money out of their estate. So they're not paying the full tax rate. Other reasons are for asset protection reasons. Uh, You'll also see people using them for life insurance. So when someone inherits money from life insurance, it'll be excluded from their estate. Um, Those are probably the main reasons why people use a trust. So it's estate planning, it's asset protection, and it's generational planning around that as well. I, I, I must just to, just to clarify, um, not not everyone who has less than twenty million twenty two million dollars um, is should not establish a trust. That there are plenty of reasons for 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 those that have far less than that to establish trusts. Oh, absolutely! I think the best amount is somewhere around a million plus. Mm-hmm. Um, somewhere around that number. And then it makes sense. Whether they use an individual trustee or a corporate trustee, well, that's a topic for a different moment. But a million plus is um, in our opinion. So, But there's no hard and fast rules around that number. But that's a good place to start. I always say, start with the negative. Do I need it? And then everyone comes up with great ideas. So, so we're talking about tr- trustees. How would you define a trustee? So there's three types of trustees. There's an individual, Aunt Betty, Uncle Bob, or a friend. Let's call him George. They can be an individual trustee. And an individual trustee needs to have the ability to ask for help, to be impartial, to be unemotional, and to be completely focused on the rules of the trust document. The second one is a professional trustee. That could be a lawyer, a CPA, or certain states like California or Arizona allow individuals to be a professional trustee. Uh, They're not held at the same level that a corporate trustee is held, but they are uh, one step above an individual. And then the last is a corporate trustee. So we're a corporate trustee. Now, corporate trustees, they can manage the money or they can distribute the money. We only do the distribution side of it, plus all the administration. So an example of a company doing it all would be a Northern Trust. And an example of a company that just does the distributions would be someone like ourselves. So individual, professional, corporate, those are the three Choices. And could you could you uh, go into a little bit more detail? Like, what is um, wh- what is that full service corporate trustee doing that you're not doing specifically? So, full corporate trustee has control over everything. 
They have control over the investments. They have control where the money is held. They have control over the distributions. They have control over the taxes. They have, yeah, so they have control over everything. Everything that a trust does, money in, money out, and what happens inside. Mm -hmm. They control the whole kit and caboodle. So we call this the red option. The blue or green option is in states like South Dakota, families can say, I want Peter to manage the money and choose the custodian. I want this trust company to be involved with Peter in making this distributions, and I'd like to use my CPA to do the tax return. So the green and blue options, as we like to call it, you know, from the movie The Matrix, has greater control and choice for families. Whereas the red option or the traditional trust company um, takes all that control away. And then they hate being replaced. They're actually somewhat um, rather sticky about yeah, that. Yeah, I can imagine. They're not very client friendly. Yeah. So, so uh, a, tr- a family is, is, this has decided for a number of reasons that they want a trust. Um, yeah. How do they go about choosing a trustee and what, what, questions should they be asking? Which, what concerns should they have? I'm going to, let's say, let, let's start with the easiest answer. They want to choose a friend or a family member as a trustee. The most important thing is they should look for a woman before a man, because men make horrible individual trustees. They cut the rules, they think they know everything, and they never ask for help. So in general, men, whether they're family or friends, make horrible individual trustees because they don't ask for help. I mean, have you ever seen a man go, (laughs) yeah, I'm sick. I really need to go to the doctor. Okay, well, an individual trustee knows nothing about trust law and needs to say, I need help. And women have are very comfortable with asking for help. Men are horrible at it. The other important thing is they have to be impartial. They may know these heirs, these beneficiaries. And if they don't like someone, they can't make a decision around a distribution because they just don't happen to like it, right? And if the trust is clearly allowing such a distribution, they have to make it. Uh, You also want to make sure that the trustee is an individual trustee is not investing the money in anything where there would be a conflict of interest. So let's say uh, an individual trustee uh, manages money. The trust cannot be put with that individual trustee. Or let's say they run a partnership that manages apartment buildings. The trust cannot invest in that partnership. So impartiality and also the ability to say, I don't know. Now, for your older clients, it's important when they choose an individual trustee that they're younger. So we like to say if you're 80, they need to be 60. If you're 70, they need to be 60. If they're 60, they need to be 50, right? You always want them a little bit younger. Uh, But the most important thing, obviously, is um, the impartiality and the ability to say, I don't know. On the corporate trustee side, um, you have to remember, trust companies don't hold assets anymore. Those are all held at custodians 
or at firms like Northern Trust, they hold the money themselves, but they're huge. They're like they manage $2 trillion or something. So what you're looking for there is not what a corporate trustee does, because we all do the same thing. You want to say, why do they exist? Not what they do, but why do they exist? What motivates them? How do they hire people? And if their answer is, well, we hire people that want to give great client service, great. That's what McDonald's says. What else do you got? And if they say, well, we do things differently, we're always looking out for the client. Really? What does that mean? That, that, that actually means nothing. And that is the hardest question because when you ask, why do you exist? What is your DNA? What motivates you? You get rid of all the marketing fluff and you drill it down to the basics. Are you offering salt or pepper, Coke or Pepsi? Starbucks, or we don't even know if there's another option for Starbucks. What's, what are you offering that is different? And then the awesome thing for your clients is now they're making a buying decision and they're not being sold um, something that they might not need. So that's how I would approach it. So they, you know, the, the, the important question is um, for the family is, is what are their objectives? What are they trying to achieve uh, and why? And can, can an individual or a professional or a cor- corporate trustee best meet those objectives? Right. And I would say, Peter, and I know this runs counter, but start from the source of the now, so to speak. Do I even need a trust? How about if I die and I just give everyone their money and call it a day? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It may be not tax efficient. Maybe they'll blow the money, but it's not wrong. So once you start from, do I even need a trust? And then you start working backwards. Yes, I do. Here are the reasons why. Okay. Do I need an individual trustee or do I need a corporate trustee? So if you always start from a negative, the human mind actually works really well and making better decisions. Then if you start with a positive, then all you're doing is you're just filling in a narrative like politicians that we don't trust. (laughs) So just don't be like a politician and you'll make great decisions. So, so we talked about um, your wealth advisors trust company's focus, which is on distributions. Uh, you're not acting yeah. as a custodian. You're not managing the assets. Um, but from from that perspective, from the distribution perspective, what what makes you your firm different? So one is speed. So let's say Peter, one of your clients calls you and wants a distribution to buy a house. And then you call us and be like, hey, you call the trust officer. And you have a discussion that one of your clients wants to buy a house. The trust officer goes, okay, let me get back to you. The difference with us is when we get back to you and we make a decision, there's no, well, but we need more information. You know what? We forgot to ask that. So when we ask for stuff, we ask it once. It may be a long list, but there's no back and forth. So we're very focused on time and asking for things once, and that's it. 
everything we need to make a decision, we're going to ask for it once. Two, we, we even have the ability for your clients to make a request online. So you, Peter, get an email going, oh, Susie wants a distribution for $7,000 for XYZ reason. Now you're alerted thinking about the financial plan. Does it make sense? Is there cash available? And on our end, the trust officer gets a notice about the distribution request. So when the two of you come together to chat about it, um, we've saved about 40 to 50 minutes of time because the two of you have collectively been thinking, researching, scheduling a meeting, all done. So I would say one is time, two is just being effective. Um, And then three, admitting sometimes they don't want the answer that we're going to give them. And so, great, we'll resign. If you want to fire us, fire us. But we're not going to make a decision where we're going to get sued because we didn't set up these rules. Unfortunately, the messenger just gets shot sometimes, and that's the trustee or the trust officer. So it's how you are forthright with a good bedside manner and say, look, we're stuck, but hey, if you want to change the rules of the distributions, let's go to court and get everyone to sign off and we can change the distribution rules. So we come up with those ideas too. So Christopher, could, could you give me, um, give our listeners some, just like maybe an example or two sure. of a, a circumstance where um, a distribution has been denied because of the way a trust is drafted? One example was the grandparents set up a trust for their grandchildren. Parent, the grandparents had died, kids were minors, and the parents were guardians. And the guardians' parents were making distribution requests. They wanted to buy TVs for everyone's room. Uh, we said no. Because in the trust document, it was very clear that this money should be focused for health and maintenance and support and very, very focused on making sure the kids always had a roof over their head, food, education, college, secondary, you know, all those. And so the trust officer said the intent is on having a roof over your head and you know, it wasn't a lot. It was only about $2 million. And these were young kids and there were four of them. So sometimes we told the parents no. And they said, well, we're going to fire you. And we said, okay. But every other trustee is going to say, say the same thing. So there's an example where the parents were trying to make their lives better, but the grandparents made it very clear the trust was for the grandchildren. So we had to pay the rent directly to the apartment and everything we paid was directly to the expense source. So the parents couldn't um, quote unquote misappropriate funds. That was really for the benefit of the kids. That was a really difficult one um, because we're put in between a very, very rock and a hard place. Um, Another one that was really difficult was they wanted to buy a house. This is a bigger trust, you know, about four-ish. 
million. And the trust really wasn't quite clear you could buy a house. It had some cleaner definitions about what is maintenance and support, which are kind of nebulous. You know, what's a need versus a want. So what we did is we, um, oh, that's right. We, we modified the trust so that everyone signed off because there were also children. And in this case, it was more nebulous and the parents were, I think they're both professors or something. I, I can't remember. Um, so in this case, the trust uh, was modified. Everyone signed off and the trust owned the house. And so that way it's still an asset. Um, and it was a house that they could almost realistically afford, right? It wasn't professors buying a, a $10 million Miami beach condo, right? It was, it was appropriate. Um, and so, but we didn't do the full buy. We did the majority of the down payment plus extra. And so, so those are two examples. It can get tricky sometimes. And these are tough, 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 tough. So. Yeah. I, I often think there's a, um, there's a line, you know, you, the, 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 the trust document itself wants to give the trust or sh I think oftentimes wants to give enough flexibility to the trustees to make the right decision at the right time. But, but also to to be a guide um, to the trustees for, for to 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 give them um, really evidence of what the the grantor or the person who established the trust would have wanted, and and it's hard. Do you do you often recommend a a separate document that that gives a little bit of history and and describes kind of what they're thinking and and why that's not part of the trust but kind of a letter of instruction to the trustees so the problem with that peter is if it's not part of the trust document the trustee legally has to ignore it because the beneficiaries can sue the trustee for looking at a letter of intent and not obeying the trust document. The trust document is the beginning, middle, and end of the recipe of what are the rules of how you invest the money and distribute the money. So if you're going to put some sort of um, guide, do it inside the trust document that the lawyers approve, but make it short. There are two areas that beneficiaries get really upset about, actually three. Sorry, three. One is buying a car. Two is buying a house. And or three is making, is starting a business. So if a trust document says, look, you can buy a $50,000 car indexed and named a specific index for inflation every five years. Okay. No hassle about what the rules are there you can buy a house and the trust will give you 250 once never again it's pretty clear you want to start a business or businesses the trust will give you give you four hundred thousand dollars once many up to you and once you've blown through that 400 that's it no more investments if the trust said those specific dollar limits, whatever they are, 
that makes the angst of a beneficiary almost fall to zero because they go, okay, now I understand the intent, the rules, the guidelines, the sandbox rules of this trust from my parents or grandparents or aunt and uncle or whoever it, it, it may be. And um, that really helps a lot. I mean, it's literally that simple. Yeah, that, that's really that's really helpful. So thank you for uh, going into that detail. So just a, a question. Um, I know you you actually live in Dallas, uh, but why why is Wealth Advisors Trust Company located in South Dakota? Uh, when I think about uh, financial institutions, um, it's not it's not a state that comes to mind. Not not that there's anything wrong with South Dakota, but it's just not. I think of New York. I think of California. I think of uh, you know Chicago and, and, and those 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 cities. Can I digress into a little bit of history here? Please. So the founding fathers, 13 colonies, they were arguing over tax rights and tax control. And so one of the things that was given to the states was control over property taxes. Well, the U.S. uh, inherited um, the law from Britain and Trust law was inherited from Britain and properties were in trusts. So what happened in the 13 colonies is trust law got placed into each state's control, much like property tax uh, control was given to each state. And so as America expanded from 13 to so on, so on, trust law became driven by state law. So we're the only country in the world that has 50 different trust laws. So starting with Delaware in the 1980s, 70s, 70s, Delaware said, well, hold on. Why don't we have trust law that's actually useful, not so stifling? And shortly thereafter, about five or six years later, South Dakota copied Delaware and then approved upon it. So right now, There are seven great states um, that offer super trust law. South Dakota and Nevada are number one or number two. And I'm sitting here at the poll position. I'm telling you, any one of these seven are going to be great. They are geographically Tennessee, Delaware, New Hampshire, South Dakota, Wyoming, Nevada, Alaska. Choose any one of the seven. You're going to be in great shape. Um, I think choosing the right corporate trustee is the harder choice, but we've already covered that. What makes South Dakota or any of the other six so good is the legislative body is dialed in to making trust law cutting edge. So they separate that a corporate trustee can delegate or can be directed not to invest the trust money or not to invest even distributions, uh, sorry, not to make distribution decisions. Um, You have trust that can last forever. There's no state income tax. There's no state capital gains tax. There's no state death tax. Um, You have trust, um, you, you have some other rules around life insurance, but it really comes down to that South Dakota and Nevada specifically 
this is one of the two biggest areas that brings in revenue and high paying jobs. And so they just have cutting edge technology. It's like New York has cutting edge financial and insurance laws. Connecticut has cutting edge insurance laws, so on and so forth. So that's how, that's the best way to answer that question. So someone who lives in, um, uh, a, in a state other than those seven would is, can establish a trust that is uh, has a has a is sited in South Dakota or New Hampshire or Alaska and can um, uh, 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 hire a trustee for that that resides in that state. Exactly. You know why, Peter? Because the the food is being grown and cooked and prepared in South Dakota, so to speak. So all of the administration duties are being done in South Dakota. And so the technical term is it gives that trust nexus to South Dakota or New Hampshire or Nevada. So all those things have to be done in South Dakota. So that's why I can live in Dallas because I have nothing to do with trust administration. I'm just a co-founder and trust educator. So all of our employees are in Rapid City, the pretty part of South Dakota. So, yeah, not well, flat and boring like Sioux Falls. Oy. Yeah. Well, I, I think um, the states and, and the federal government are still arguing about um, about tax taxes as well as control. So some things never change. No, and that keeps life interesting. Otherwise, it sure does. It is so boring. Boy, yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, th- this has been uh, this has really been fascinating for me. I, I just I think trusts are such an important uh, part of estate planning, and as you said, not everyone needs one or should have one, but I think it's it's definitely worth considering as part of your overall estate plan. Uh, can you can you point our listeners to any any resources that that might be helpful, you know, as they as they think about their options relative to their estate planning and, and, and trust planning? One, if you have great grandchildren, if you think you might, if you have enough money that maybe great grandchildren could enjoy a meaningful amount, don't worry about them. They won't know who you are. They won't like you. They won't like the rules you set up and trust for them. Focus on your kids and grandkids, number one. Number two, not a popular comment, but it's a fact. Number two, dial in to the philosophy of your money and your family and make sure in that trust document, in the distribution section, it's mirrored and work with you, Peter, every five years to double check it. And literally, if you do those things, you're really good. Like there are so many more interesting ways to spend money and talk than stop, redo. There are so many more interesting ways to spend money and time than over laboring on redoing your trusts every two years or what your great grandkids legacy are going to be about your family. Look, history shows us money and power only last three generations, four tops. And we can go back 2000 years to prove that point. 
But Peter, what lasts forever is culture and family legacy that's tied into the philosophy of the family. It has nothing to do with money or power. You focus on that, and the future is going to be groovy. Not easy, but groovy. And that's about the best you can hope for. Yeah. I think that's a great message. Focus on uh, focus on the values. Focus, focus on the things that are most important for for your family and what do you want to pass down. And uh, you know, things and money are are maybe a part of it, but certainly not the most important. Agreed. Agreed. So, uh, Christopher, in general, um, how do how do listeners work with your company? Uh, how do how do they how do they work with a trust company like yours? You know, I think for most first-generation wealth creators, um, we would only be a successor trustee inside of their estate planning documents. Um, for clients that have created, you know, um, wealth, you know, above twenty-two million, they may need us today. Some clients may need us for a life insurance trust today. Um, now, there could be a lot of people who are using a competing trust company like a Northern, and really, they just don't like the lack of control and choice they have. And so I think for those people, they should call you up and say, do I have options when using a corporate trustee? Because I have to use one. And I think they should call you up and be like, what options do I have? So those are the ways that I would look at it. Oh, that's really helpful. Christopher, this, is, this has been great. You've been a great guest. I think fascinating. I love, the, I love your perspective. And, and uh, it's, it's, it's very different from what I've heard from other trust companies in the sense that it really speaks from, 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 from the heart. And uh, I, I really appreciate that. I think, I think it's a, a really important perspective. Um, what you're trying to avoid are trust, are trust fund babies. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are bad for society. Just look at England. You really yeah. don't want those. They're really bad for they society. Are. Well, thank you very much. Really You're appreciate welcome. your Thanks time. Thanks a bunch. Sure. I, really, I, I, I had fun. Good. Cheers. Good. Cheers, Peter. Till next time. Yes. Guys, this has been fantastic. What a great conversation. Christopher, I love the fact that you didn't pull any punches. You, you said it like it is. You, you stated your opinion without... Any, uh, uh, you know, it's unabashed and you you just shot from the hip. And I love that because we like straightforward talk uh, on this podcast for sure. Uh, Peter, this is a fantastic conversation coupled with the first podcast, which I hope people go back and listen to again. I think that was episode 28. And this one, I'm hoping it brings up a lot of questions for them. And they need to be reaching out because it could be a, a really good part of an overall plan. Um, so can you give them your contact information again? Yeah, I think the, probably the best way to reach us is uh, go to our website at raskinplanning.com and uh, our contact information is right there. And please don't hesitate to, to reach out if there are any questions. Uh, glad, to, glad to answer them. Absolutely. I'm just going to echo Peter's sentiment. Christopher, thank you so much for being on the show. And of course, Peter, thank you for bringing Christopher on the show. And our last thank you is to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast with Peter Raskin. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Peter comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Raskin Planning Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. 
and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Peter Raskin is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Securities offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker, dealer, member SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Sagemark Consulting, a division of Lincoln Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Affiliates and other fine companies. Raskin Planning Group is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.